I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass, busted draft pick, and game-changing play. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow and listen to Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I mean, the possibilities are limitless, Kevin. What if Portland drafted Michael Jordan? What if the NBA never vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers? That's a butterfly effect for real. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. We are so excited to have you tune into another episode. My name is Perry Goldstein, and I'm joined by my co-host Maggie Loney. Um, today, we wanted to talk to you about some players that we see the Packers potentially going after in free agency. There are a few names that have been floated around a ton in the Packers universe, but we're not going to cover those. Um, there are tons of free agents this offseason that I think we think could be great fits for the Packers, and we wanted to talk about some of our sleeper guys. Um, so we, of course, we're looking at positions of need for the Packers. So we have some options in the wide receiver linebacker and defensive line categories. So Maggie, um, who is, we can start in any position, anywhere you want, but who is like kind of your top guy dream scenario that you would want the Packers to, to go after? All right. I feel like we should start with the defensive line because that's my favorite by default normally. But I have been singing this guy's praises from the very beginning. He's somebody that I've hoped the Packers would pursue. Um, And that's Michael Pierce from the Ravens. From the beginning of free agency, he is somebody that I thought would pair really well with Kenny Clark and his skill sets. Um, I know that Kenny Clark is going to warrant a huge contract in free agent or, you know, a contract extension. Hopefully it doesn't get to free agency. Um, But even with, him warranting some big numbers. I think that Michael Pierce is still deserving of a contract as like a traditional run stuffer. We know that Kenny Clark is more of a pass rusher and he needs like a traditional nose tackle opposite him to help um, the middle of the defense. He had his best season statistically in 2018 pro football focus graded him a 91.8 against the run. Um, He had like a little bit, of a slower year in 2019 he had a 70.6 grade against the run but i think that his ideal sweet spot would be as a rotational guy playing between 400 and 500 snaps and for context there kenny clark played almost 900 snaps for the packers in 2019 cut michael pierce's snaps in half let him rotate in on obvious rushing downs and i think that he would do a lot for this middle of the defense um He's got a familiarity with Zedarius Smith. He'd probably only cost four or five million dollars a season. You could get him for two years, maybe three years. 
Um, and I mean, he's just, he's a massive human in the middle of the defensive line. He's 340 pounds. He's just, he's somebody that I would really like to see if the Ravens move on from him. I know that he's one of those guys that they're interested in bringing back, but if he exceeds their price point or they have other priorities to take care of, I would love to see him come to Green Bay. Yeah, I think that's kind of the question with a lot of these guys is whether or not their teams re-sign them or, um, you know, what their kind of market value is, you know, how many other teams um, kind of are going to go after them. But I know you love uh, Michael Pierce, so I knew you were going to start with him. (laughs) Um, You know, my guy is actually pretty similar. Um, I'm pretty high right now on DJ Reader from the Texans. Um, He's also kind of a traditional nose tackle, although he does play along the defensive line um, in general. But He's 26 years old, so right in that sweet spot of like kind of reaching their peak um, athletically. And he's again like a big dude, just like Michael Pierce is, 347 pounds, 6'3. Um, and he already has four seasons worth of experience, which I think, um, you know, says a lot about him. You know, similar to Michael Pierce, like you just said, really good at stuffing the run. Um, he's pretty decent at applying pressure on the quarterback, but we actually need someone who is much more of a run stuffing. Um, defensive lineman. And um, I see him succeeding in a scheme like the Packers where he's surrounded by pass rushers and can focus on stopping the run. Um, He's just a stud. Like I I just, he's just a monster. Um, And I think, you know, athletically sky's the limit. Um, I wonder um, if the Texans will re-sign him given the year he just had Um, 52 you know, career high in tackles at 52, um, six tackles for a loss, two and a half sacks, 13 quarterback hits um, through 15 starts in 2019. So um, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if the if the Texans wanted to bring him back. He graded out from Pro Football Focus at an 86.7, which is actually the best among free agent interior defensive linemen. So um, if he does get to the open market, you know, I've heard rumors that the Broncos and Titans are also reportedly interested in him. So it may he may become a bit of a hot commodity that um, could price the Packers out of signing him. But when you have a coach, you know, Bill O'Brien called him smart, tough, and dependable. Um, and that's exactly someone that that we would want to have on our team. I'm going to stick uh, with the defensive lineman, and I'm going to stick with the first name, Michael. Um, and I really like Michael Brockers from the Rams. He is a little bit more of like a vet signing, so I'm not necessarily really sure if he's somebody that Brian Gutekunst would target because you know some of the guys we've already talked about were in that 26 27 range looking for a second contract um kind of in the mold of Zedarius or Preston Smith or Adrian Amos but Michael Brockers is one of the prototypical run stuffers in the league and he has plenty of experience playing opposite a pass rushing interior defender um Going into the 2019 season, Pro Football Focus had Brockers and Aaron Donald as the NFL's top interior defensive tandem. I like the look of a guy like Michael Brockers playing opposite Kenny Clark, who is used to getting those double teams, um, really freeing an interior guy to make plays. He is a career-long Ram, though, so that I would see him wanting to finish out his career in L.A. Aaron Donald called him one of the best run stuffers in the league. Um, I do think that he probably would end up re-signing in L.A. He's 29 this would probably be his last contract um maybe get another two three-year deal um and he'll be a little more expensive than a guy like michael pierce given kind of the the caliber of player that he's been throughout his his career um so i would see him more in like the seven million dollar range which you know might be too rich for green bay if if this is such a loaded interior defensive class in the draft i could see them looking for a young guy instead 
Um, but he is a name that really intrigued me. He graded out as a 74.6 overall and then an 82.6 against the run specifically. Played 766 total snaps on defense. So in, in 2017, actually, he had a 90 against the run. So he's another one of those guys that if you get him into a really nice snap count, his production should increase again. Nice. That's a name I haven't heard. So I'll mm-hmm. have to do some some research on him. I'm sure he gets a little bit lost in the conversation next to Aaron Donald. So I'm going to also stay on the defensive line. I'm sensing a theme here. We both are looking at. Um, <laughs> so the next guy I was looking at is Javon Hargrave from the Steelers. Um, he's actually technically considered a nose tackle, but the Steelers really played him everywhere across the line, um, defensive end and inside uh, defensive lineman. So I think he can fit in any um, you know scheme we have him in. He can fit in any defense. And um, I know Patton really likes the versatility. Um, I definitely don't think he's going to come cheap. Um, the Steelers might not have the cap space to keep him, but I also think if he hits the open market, um, he's looking at like someone who could get like 14 million. So definitely more expensive than the Packers. And um, but he graded out at an 83.8, which is high, um, really good at stuffing the run. He's actually comped to like Fletcher Cox, Grady Jarrett type player. So um, someone we would love to have next to Kenny Clark um, if the price is right. But I see there being like a pretty decent market for someone like him who's uh, um, had, coming off kind of a career year and, and, and looked really good for the Steelers. Yeah, I have one more name uh, for the inside defensive guys, um, and that's Shelby Harris from the Broncos. He is another one of those players who maybe is a little bit underrated as far as free agents are concerned, Um, but he has been more than reliable in his role um, along the interior defensive line for the Broncos. Um, Pro Football Focus gave him a 76.8 overall grade in 2019. He hit as high as a 90 in 2018, um, and he played a little over 600 snaps in 2019. Um, His grade did go down in 2019 when his snap count almost doubled. So he's another role player again, who would be really perfect in that sweet spot of maybe 400 or 500 snaps. He's another one of those really good run stuffing linemen, but he again is projected to get around 8 million a year, which would be a lofty price tag for a team that still needs to spend a lot of money on Kenny Clark. And, you know, traditionally Green Bay doesn't spend too much money on multiple players at the same position, Barring, of course, free agency last season when they brought in both of the Smiths. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, the price is definitely something we have to look at, I think, given our tight cap space. Um, We haven't released any players that we are expecting to, so we don't even really know what that final number is going to be. But I imagine that we're not going to be able to spend nearly as much as we did last season. I'm so pleasantly surprised that we have different guys to talk about. Um, My last... I guess we can switch positions after this, but my last um, kind of defensive lineman that I want to talk about is Emmanuel Ogba from the Chiefs. He's 26 years old. So again, like in that kind of ripe age where where he's coming into his own, um, another big dude, 6'4", 275. Um, he only had four starts out of his 10 games with the Chiefs because he tore his pectoral muscle. So we have a little bit of a smaller sample size, but before his injury, he led the Chiefs in sacks at five and a half. Um, he was really strong against the run and he led the Chiefs um, defenders in run stop percentage so clearly a guy that fits the mold of something that we'd be looking for however 
um, you know, the Chiefs traded for him from the Browns and he seemed to really find his fit within their defense. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs re-signed him. Um, they do have some big free agents and some impending contracts that they need to look towards. So um, they have a lot of there's going to be a lot of money coming out of the Chiefs towards their players in the next few um, months and, and the next season. So I don't know if they would prioritize Ogba, but if he did happen to hit the market, I think given his injury history, um, he could potentially be someone that we get for like a pretty good deal. Um, and I, I like his fit within Petten's defense. Okay. I'm glad that you mentioned him because that kind of segues perfectly into the next group that I want to talk about, which is inside linebackers and two guys, you know, on my radar, uh, one of them is Reggie Ragland, who was a chief. And basically the main reason that I want to bring him up is that he was like my OG draft crush. So when I first started getting really into the draft, Reggie Ragland was a player that I wanted to see desperately in Green Bay. So he originally was drafted by Buffalo in the second round. He kind of fell a little bit in the draft. He was projected as a first rounder. And then he was traded to the Chiefs starting in 2017. And pro football focus only gives him a 67.7 overall grade. He only played in 235 snaps in 2019, only 21% of those defensive snaps. Um, and he's not necessarily like a starter inside linebacker by any stretch of the imagination. He wouldn't be your every down guy like a Blake Martinez or uh, like a Corey Littleton. Um, but he would be someone like a role player, like a BJ Goodson, potentially, especially if you put him with a high draft pick, Oren Burks and Ty Summers. So I did want to mention him initially because he was my like OG guy and he also was a chief. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, anytime you can get a player from a team that just won the Super Bowl, I think that's a win. You know, it's a good player. Um, I mean, you literally mentioned the Browns and the Chiefs. So I was like, all right, two of my inside <laughs> linebackers are Browns and Chiefs. So, Oh, yeah. Who's your other inside linebacker from the Browns if it's not Joe Schobert? It is Christian Kirksey, who was just released by the Browns. Oh, yeah. Um, Let, let's talk about him, Maggie. <laughs> I could hear my husband laugh in the living room. Um, <laughs> But as far as free agent inside linebackers are concerned, I know that everyone talks about Corey Littleton, um, Blake Martinez, obviously his pros and cons. Um, I have one more inside linebacker that I'm sure he might be on your list. So we'll talk about him in just a second. But with the Browns releasing Chris Kirksey today, he did become an immediately intriguing name for me on my radar because I watch a lot of Browns football, not always by choice, but it is on a lot in my house. <laughs> Um, and I know that he does have kind of an injury riddled 2018 and 2019, um, but he looked really good in his first couple seasons. Um, he had a really good middle of his career in 2016 and 2017, started all 16 games, played over a thousand snaps both seasons, kind of was the communicator in the middle of the field. Um, and then, you know, injuries kind of derailed that progress he would he had made. Um, but he has experience playing in both a 3-4 and a 4-3 defense. Um, so he's like a really versatile chess piece. You and I have this theme where we talk about Mike Pettin and his chess pieces. Um, so a guy like Christian Kirksey, he would be a little bit of a gamble given that recency bias of the injury history. Um, but having watched his games and kind of seeing the production that he's he had in the beginning of his career, he's somebody that I would think I would take a flyer on at the right price to see if that's something that he could get back to. But again, it would have to be a really team-friendly contract and maybe even like a one-year prove-it deal 
in case, you know, that injury was something that still lingered. I think he'd have to be somebody that you were you were buying into with the hopes that you were developing elsewhere in case he didn't work out long term. I don't necessarily think he has the same buy in that somebody like a Corey Littleton does. Um, yeah, I agree. He's someone that would um, definitely come in, I think, on a one year like team friendly deal, given his injury history. And um, I mean, I definitely see us drafting a an inside linebacker. Um, so potentially, you know, he can fill fill some of those like that veteran gap while we develop whoever it is that we draft. Um, it's interesting that there are two Browns inside linebackers that are kind of on the radar for the Packers when you include Joe Schobert, because, you know, not to knock the Browns, but, you know, when you have two really great great players coming out of a team that kind of has a tough time winning. I think it's actually says a lot about, about their defense. Um, but I think, I mean, the inside linebacker class to me, you know, I think there's a lot of talk about Nick Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton. Like those are the names that are thrown around a lot. And um, I think those are really the options. It kind of drops off um, to me a little, a little bit after those guys. Um, I actually have Matthew Judon on my list. I know he's more of an outside linebacker and I'm definitely much more of a pass rusher, but um, he is a free agent. And I just think the idea of pairing him back with Zedarius and with Preston, um, he's just a monster. <laughs> um, you know, I think the Ravens are expected to franchise tag and trade him. That's kind of like the rumors that I'm hearing. Um, so definitely different than a free agent signing would be, but he's 27 right in his prime coming off a career high, um, leading the Ravens in sacks and force fumbles. Um, and he, you know, he graded out really nicely. So, um, I know like that's not outside linebacker. Isn't really a position of need, but if, as far as linebackers go in general, you can never, um, can never say no to another elite pass rusher. So, um, but I think we would might be ignoring, you know, other glaring needs. Um, but I just love Matthew Judon. and I watch a lot of Ravens football because one of my best friends is a Ravens fan, like diehard Ravens fan. So we usually watch together and, and I really fell in love with him this past season. So when I saw he was a free agent, I couldn't not talk about him. I mean, the Packers defensive strategy could always just be you can't throw the ball because we get to the quarterback too quickly. If you have Smith, Smith, <laughs> Judon, and Gary, just like we dare you. Yeah, I mean, try look and, at try and get past this front four. Yeah, I mean, look at the 49ers this past season. Like their front four was monstrous and you could barely do anything against them. So it's not a terrible strategy, but I mean, I don't think he'll come, he'll come cheap, um, even if it is in trade format. So. Um, we'll see what what the Ravens decide to do with him. So why don't we switch over to the offensive side um, of the ball and tell me about maybe some of these offensive free agents, whether it's wide receiver or tight end or anybody um, that you feel like the Packers um, could be interested in. My first name is... I don't know how under the radar he would be probably significantly just given he's not like one of the priority names like a Robbie Anderson um, but it's Tajay Sharp from the Titans. He has familiarity with Matt LaFleur, which is what makes him so interesting to me. Um, he only had four touchdowns in 2019, um, but 20 of his 25 receptions went for first downs, which is significant. His snap co- his snap counts have gone down each season, and he was only um, on for 44% in 2019, which I know he's a free agent, but given the talent that they drafted in 2019, he feels like one of those expendable guys that maybe was just kind of pushed out of his role. I don't think it was necessarily for a lack of production as much as I think it was just they had younger guys coming in like A.J. Brown. Um, But 
Football Focus graded him a 74 overall for his season. Um, And the impressive number to me, two impressive numbers, actually, he had zero drops and he had a 127 passer rating when targeted, which is just astronomical. Like that's a fantastic number. Um, So he's only 25. He's still young. He theoretically would be an ascending player. Um, But if you kind of look at the Titans offense and how it funneled through the run game, um, an inconsistent passing game throughout the season, with uh, Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill trying to figure out who their starter was going to be until they eventually did end up with Tannehill. I think giving him a fresh start on a new offense would be really beneficial. And I I don't think the Packers will go out of the first two rounds of the draft without taking a, a wide receiver. I think regardless of if they bring in a talented guy in the offseason, they'll still draft somebody really high. Uh, but opposite Devontae Adams, I really like the idea of having at least one more veteran in the room, whether that's even re-signing Geronimo Ellison and letting him fight for his spot in training camp. Or, like, I, I don't think MVS or EQ are going anywhere. So I think that the Packers will need one veteran guy opposite Adams. Um, and I don't think that'll be Ryan Grant. I think the Ryan Grant experiment has come and gone with just a little little blip on the radar. So a guy like Tajay Sharp is really intriguing to me because I think he's somebody that Matt LaFleur could utilize. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I think he he could fit really nicely. That passer rating is wow. Um, yeah, I mean, my guy's definitely a little bit uh, more of a wild card, I'd say. Um, but I really like Demarcus Robinson out of the Chiefs. Um, you know, he's 25, so he's still young with a lot of upside. He's definitely not the vet um, that you would want to bring in, but I think, you know, he's obviously had a few years of experience. Um, he's on a pretty explosive offense where he's sharing snaps with Tyreek Hill and Mecole Hardman. Um, so he's kind of fallen on the depth chart just because like when you are behind those players, you're not going to see much playing time, but when he is in he plays really well um this past season Tyreek was out with an injury and he kind of had a little bit of like a breakout moment um especially the game against the Raiders where he had his first over 100 yard game I watched some highlights from that and when he gets the ball like he is a playmaker um you know in his time with Tyreek out, he had 32 receptions, 449 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, so I think in the right offense with the right opportunities and a great quarterback throwing to him, um, he could really grow into a nice um, you know, wide receiver to opposite Devontae Adams' role. I like him a lot. I have one more wide receiver. Um, I don't know if he's somebody that you also had mentioned. So far, we haven't overlapped at all, which is really interesting to me. Normally, we at least match on a couple, so we'll see if this does it. Um, okay. Rashad Perryman from the Buccaneers. That did it? Yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> 72.8 overall from Pro Football Focus. 17.9 yards per reception in 2019. He had over 600 yards and six touchdowns. Um And he was wide receiver three on a really loaded, explosive offense. He had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and he's still putting up really big numbers as that third option. So to sign somebody like him and bring him to Green Bay, um, you know, behind Devontae Adams and a high draft pick, I think that he'd kind of really round out that talent on the roster. Um, And if the Packers are, you know, like the rumors have addressed, moving on from Jimmy Graham, Perryman's not going to cost them more than $8 million, and if they're saving that with Jimmy Graham, I could see them bringing in Perryman on like a one- or two-year prove-it deal while he develops, um, or he helps a rookie develop. And something I did just want to throw out there because I thought it was interesting. Um, since we talked about RAS scores last week, uh, Perryman is a former first-round pick from the 2015 draft class, 
and he was graded as a 9.95 RAS in 2015. So he's one of those freaky fun athletes and to see him opposite Devontae Adams, um, I think would give Aaron Rodgers another really explosive weapon um, that Green Bay really needs right now. Yeah, I agree. I had no idea his RAS was that high. That's Goot loves that. Those freaky <laughs> athletes. Um, so my last offensive player is not a free agent. Um, it's not a wide receiver. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, what the tight end room is going to look like for the Packers this season. There's a lot of questions. You know, we think Jimmy is going to get released. We kind of heard that, um, you know, it hasn't happened yet. We we feel like we need a vet. I know you and I both really hope that we keep Mercedes Lewis and Jace is not going anywhere. But but really, it's just a big question mark. And um, I know that Austin Hooper is a name that's been floated around a ton. Um, but to me, I'd actually prefer for us to trade for Hayden Hurst. Um, the reason I think we can do that is because, you know, let's say we traded someone like Lane Taylor, we could clear up some cap space and bring in a player that is still young. He's 26. He's still on his rookie contract. So his cap hit, I think it would only be like about 3 million and his base salary um, in 2020 is 1.483. So um, he wouldn't be that expensive. We'd get a, you know, we'd get a young player in the tw- his 28 career games he's had 43 catches for 500 512 yards um i think he has a lot of upside i think he fits well with with our just our our locker room and our scheme um i can just see him like integrating really well um it's not so much to me that i think the ravens want to trade him but i think they would for a good deal um they already have mark andrew who's you know that big like pat pass catching tight end and Nick Boyle, who's their good blocking tight end. They're both solid and above Hurst on the depth chart. So I think he could thrive somewhere else else if he was given more opportunities. Um, And I could see him being a good like in between Mercedes Lewis, that big vet and Jace, who's still developing in terms of experience. Um, So I think he's the best kind of tight end fit. I know he's not a free agent and we would have to trade for him. but I would love to see the Packers at least go after him and make an attempt. Yeah, I think that's a good option. And I didn't run this by you pre-show, um, but since you have a potential trade option, I thought that I would throw that up, throw one out there just for fun. Go um, for it. <laughs> if we're talking, if we're talking about looking for offensive weapons, and this is probably my uh, Browns-colored glasses talking to me, but I know a lot of Packer fans have been adamant that they would. Love to see Odell Beckham Jr. in green and gold. I'm not here, Perry, to sell you on Odell Beckham Jr. Instead, anyone that's listened to Pack a Day and heard me talk about wide receivers knows that I'm far more interested in his complement, Jarvis Landry. Because to me, Jarvis Landry is the prime ideal wide receiver two to have on any offense. He's not going to be your premier guy, but if somebody like Devontae Adams or Odell Beckham Jr. is getting double teamed, Jarvis Landry will always be open. And if the Packers are looking for an overhaul of talent at the receiver position, draft somebody in the first round, bring in somebody like Jarvis Landry, who not only is a great locker room presence, but is talented on the field as well. And really let Devontae Adams have the opportunity to flourish alongside two guys who will take a lot more attention away from somebody like Adams. He, I don't, his contract is pretty massive you know, he signed a five-year deal with the Browns for 75 mil. So it's it's like 13 million a year at this point, um, which seems kind of astronomical. But if the 
Packers were to move on to Graham, that frees up some. And if, you know, they're not really looking too many players in free agency, they might decide to invest all in on a wide receiver or a tight end, like you said, instead of maybe an inside linebacker if they're really sold on somebody in the draft. So depending on what they do in free agency, I think that'll, of course, dictate where they go in the draft. But if we're talking about dream trade scenarios, give me Jarvis Landry. I actually love that. <laughs> I really do. Bless him. That's his, that's his saying. <laughs> I, I just, I watch Hard Knocks and I, I just, I fell in love with him watching Hard Knocks. He's such a good guy. And I agree with you. He's like the ideal wide receiver too. Um, and those are pretty hard to come by. His contract's a little scary, yeah. but you know, crazier things have happened. Okay. So we've talked about a ton of people. Is there anybody else on your list? Anybody else on your radar that you want to touch upon before we wrap things up? We kind of mentioned him in the inside linebackers group, but I think that somebody that's kind of fun to think about is Nick Kwiatkowski just because he came out of nowhere and he's suddenly like one of the most sought after prospects. Like he played his most snaps this season in his career and it was 512 and he was filling in for Danny Trevathan because Danny Trevathan got hurt. So I don't know if Packers fans are just so desperate for inside the linebacker help they're from anywhere uh, but he would likely only get a contract of like three million dollars so he's such like a, a cheap contract option compared to a guy like Corey Littleton or Blake Martinez even who's like 10 mil plus that it's funny to see probably I would say most people that tweet me about free agency tweet me about Nick Kwiatkowski from the Bears and that's not to say that he's not a talented prospect. I think that he could be in the same realm as a guy like Zadarius and Preston Smith, where his best years are ahead of him. You know, he could cash in this year and then still be an ascending player in the league. Um, but given that he doesn't have as much film as some of his counterparts um, in this free agent class, he really is one of the more intriguing options just because in limited snaps, he looks good but he doesn't have like a wide array of film like a guy like Blake Martinez would. Yeah. Imagine if we pick him up and the bears pick up Blake Martinez and then we have another off season of debating who got the better player. I don't want to do that. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to imagine that. <laughs> I don't want to do that either. It's just funny to think about. Um, I mean, I have two other guys that are, I, are kind of on my radar. I think they'd be more like a second wave of free agency. So the Cowboys have two defensive um, linemen that are set to be free agents, Christian Covington and Ma I'm going to butcher this name, Maliak Collins. Not bad. Um, and it's doubtful that they keep both, right? But they're both young. Christian is 26, Maliak's 25. Um, and they're both kind of, um, they've improved every season that they've played. Um, they're definitely more like rotational linemen, which I think could work if we draft someone high um, who we want to develop or Kingsley Kiki kind of starts to come into his own. Um, I think they would be pretty cheap and they're both, um, you know, nice like run stuffer options. Um, so I kind of have my eye on those two names in, in case they pop up in Packers conversations because I really highly doubt that the Cowboys keep both of them. So I have one question for you before we before we wrap things up and it is Randall Cobb is about to be a free agent and we're talking about veteran wide receivers and I really highly doubt that the Packers bring him back. Although, you know, the loyal fan in me would make, that would make me so happy, but what are your thoughts on it? Do you think it's even reasonable, feasible? Is it just a crazy thing that Packers Twitter is talking about? 
I feel like it's one of those things where the Packers opted to move on too soon instead of too late. And I think they have a history of doing that, whether it was guys like TJ Lang or Josh Sitton, even Jordy Nelson with the Raiders. Like just because a player has a semi-productive season with a new team doesn't necessarily mean that they would have had that same productive output in Green Bay. Um, So I think that the real miss there was the connection to Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it was necessarily what he would have produced for the offense. Um, And I think because Brian Gutekunst was the one that let him go, there won't really be a reunion. I think had maybe Ted Thompson released him and then Brian Gutekunst became the GM, there maybe would have been an opportunity there to like, hey, wasn't my decision, come on back. But because Brian Gutekunst was the one that kind of orchestrated the whole thing, I have a really hard time seeing him come back to Green Bay. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I think we did move on a year too soon, but um, there's not much we can do about it now. And and I, I don't, you know, he's not getting any younger, right? So, and plus Mike McCarthy has expressed that he hopes to keep him around. And I actually see that reunion working out really well for both sides, considering McCarthy already knows what, what Randall's strengths are. So, but I wish them well, but not well when they play the Packers. Um, <laughs> all right. So thank you all for listening this week. Before we go, Maggie, where can everybody find you and hear your amazing thoughts on social media? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. You can find my writing two times a week for Cheesehead TV. And you can also listen to me one other time a week with the Packet A podcast. And I am Perry Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Goldstein Perry. Please follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter as well. And as always, go Pack Go!